We talk to business owners every day, and every one of them would give us a different answer on why they chose entrepreneurship. Some have known from the start they would be entrepreneurs. Some had a passion they had to follow. Some got sick of working for the man. But all would agree that owning your own business is great, even with all the ups and downs. The decision to move from employee to employer is one of the toughest yet most rewarding decisions most entrepreneurs will make. Entrepreneurship is one of the greatest ways to build wealth and change your financial legacy. We talked to three entrepreneurs today. So if your goal is to start the next Amazon or just grow your side hustle, find out why choosing to measure yourself by the businesses built, not interviewed with, the jobs created, not filled, and the dreams achieved, not written about, can be the greatest adventure you ever chose. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Business Fluent. I'm Lisa Hudson, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Gallo. And we are so excited to have a great group of business owners with us today. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Judy Recknagel. I own The Mermaid's Tail in Amherst, Ohio. I'm a fashionably savvy boutique, and I've been in business here since 1992. Hi, I'm Matthias Houck. I am the co-owner of Avon Brewing Company, Medina Brewing Company, ZZ's Big Top in Avon, and uh, the newest Hop Brothers Brewing Company in North Ridgeville. Hi, my name is Georgia Curry. I own uh, two businesses, Steel City Bar, which opened in 2018, and I just opened Juice Me Juice Bar in 2021. Steel City Bar is on East 28th Street in Lorraine, and Juice Me is at 712 Broadway, both in Lorraine. Awesome. Well, thanks again for all of you being here. Today, we really want to talk about your entrepreneurial stories and kind of your ups and downs. So when did you get interested in entrepreneurship? I didn't even realize I was interested in entrepreneurship. I just knew I had to do things. And I started actually when I was in college for beer money. I would ask all my sorority sisters, do you want to go with me on Saturday morning and go garage sailing with me? I went to Ohio Northern. We'd go into Lima and buy stuff at garage sales. I'd sell it to all the antique dealers, make a profit, enough for us to have beer for another week or two, and then take the really cool antiques home to my mom. And once I graduated from college and I had my real job, I was selling antiques out of my bottom desk drawer. Awesome. And how about you, Matthias? Um, I actually grew up in southern Ohio, about 30 miles south of Athens, in the middle of nowhere. And for about a two and a half year period of my life, we moved to Wapakoneta. While we were there, I had just uh, finished my about my sixth grade year in school, and I really wanted a paper route. So I started out with a very small route, and then within um, about six months, I purchased a few more routes from other people. And by the time that I was in my seventh grade year, beginning eighth grade year, I had about a 700-person paper route and was selling papers by uh, the month and three-month intervals. So the entrepreneurial spirit kind of gotten with me at that point in time. I had actually had hired the people who I bought the paper routes from. They worked for me. And uh, so we had, had a little <laughs> mini empire in uh, my middle school years. And, and that kind of transitioned me through all the way uh, through high school. I went back to Southern Ohio. Did, just kind of was a hustler and worked my way through. I worked my way through Dartmouth College. I doing some of the same things. And uh, just that entrepreneurial spirit has been a part of my life. The opportunity arose to partner with my family and my brother's a chef at Avon Brewing Company in 2016 and uh, made the jump. And it's one of the best decisions I think we've made as a family. And Georgia, last but not least. It was fun to think about, you know, the answer to this question. 
I don't know if I should start with uh, wanting to sell Avon at 10 or <laughs> or when it when it really I realized I could actually do this. But it came in waves, you know, in the last so many odd years. I'm a project manager by day, a certified PM. I have a lot of projects throughout the country as my day job. One of them was very large and I actually ended up managing the joint venture for my company, which is a business. Um, for three years, I had a staff of 50 uh, field trucks. I'm meeting with, you know, commissioners of the city. And I realized then that, you know, I could run a business. I am running, you know, a $28 million business for someone. So that was when it started to, you know, in the back of my mind, I can do more than just manage projects. So it sounds like you guys were all hustlers and started from a very young age realizing, maybe you didn't realize it then, but you realized that, hey, you know, this is something that I know that if I work hard, I can make, I can be successful no matter what it is that you did. So is there a certain uh, habit that you do or that you think about or that sort of you keep at the front of your mind that makes you successful? Is there one thing that you have to remind yourself every day when you wake up? You know, one of those affirmations when you look in the mirror, Matthias, I'll ask you first. Yeah, it's the same thing that I teach my kids here at school. The equation of vision plus energy equals success. And you know, I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. Uh, but that dreamer, that dreaming comes with action and effort that put in behind it. And the harder you work uh, to attain those goals and dreams and set those things and set the bar higher and higher makes a big difference and you will achieve that success. So vision plus energy equals success. I repeat that to myself every day. We talk to the kids about it. You know, what are we here to do? To work. It takes effort, right? And we're going to live above the line. And uh, the adage is, if we believe, we'll achieve. And so I just positive affirmations to myself and believe that hard work plus a big vision uh, for myself and my future equals success. That's great. How about you, Georgia? I just know I have to get it done. My father had extremely great work ethic, which luckily I inherited. He always, you know, he sent me to school and he always told me to take care of myself, to be able to take care of myself. So it's not really an affirmation I have to do every morning. It's just something that I do every morning. That's great. And Judy? When I go to bed at night, if I have a problem, it just spins around in there all night. And I keep a notebook and a pen beside my bed and I write in the dark. If there's something that I just want to keep, I write it down so I don't forget it in the morning. When I get up, I look at my notes and I write something down almost every night. Sometimes I don't even remember doing it. That's when I'm in the shower. It all sorts it all out in my brain. It lets me know what I'm going to do today. And everybody, when I come in the morning, they're like, oh, my God, are we going to move furniture? Because I'll come in and go, okay, we're going to move furniture today. They're like, did you have that epiphany in the shower? I said, yes, I did. I just have a weird mind like that, but that's what I do every day. And I'm happy to wake up every day and come here. And I don't even think of it as work. I love it here. It's fun. I talk to people who want to start businesses every day. And a lot of them are like, I'm sick of working for the man or, you know, I don't I don't want to work that hard. And I'm like, well, don't think about owning your own business because you work really hard. And I, but I think sometimes as employees, people see the head of their business, you know, driving the nice car, taking the nice vacations. 
but they don't see the time when that person started their business that maybe they put their house up on collateral and they didn't have time at home and you know they they took all the risks so eventually you hope you can enjoy those benefits but it takes time you don't get to enjoy those benefits usually from day 1 when you start your business so uh, yeah so i'm glad that you guys all mentioned working hard because I think sometimes to the outside, people don't think of business owners as working that hard. We kind of interchange the word business owner and entrepreneur. And that's because I talk to a lot of business owners that they don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. Do you guys connect with that word entrepreneur? Or when you describe what you do, what do you think of yourself as? I definitely didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I just know I wanted my husband, I wanted a bar so he could, you know, didn't have to work for the man. And so we did it. We had the funds, so we did it. And with the juice bar, I wanted something to fall back on in the event of COVID and then they're restructuring at my company. So we had the funds from the growth of that bar, so I did it. The word entrepreneur didn't even come to mind. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur now? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Judy, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? I don't know because I really wasn't faced with that until I get in, I got invited to do the Golden 30. And for those of you, I know Lisa knows, but for those of you who don't know what it is, it was an award ceremony, a really prestigious award through the county. And it was 30 businesses, 15 established and 15 evolving. And it was based on how many years you've been in business, and it was based on your growth. Not necessarily that you made X amount of dollars. It was, you know, how many employees you had and how much you had grown. And, you know, there I was a little retail store. The first year I came in second, the next three years, I think I won. You know, I beat Cedar Point and huge big companies because I was on a straight up growth pattern. It was crazy. Then I also have the other side. I like to help the city and I'm on the uh, Lorraine County Community Foundation Board. I like to make a difference, and that is what drives me, and I that's, that's what I like to do. I like to help. That's what gets lost when we have all these chain stores, and, you know, it's not that, the, not that some of them don't do a really good job of giving back to the community, but I think back in the day, it's the small family mom-and-pop shops. Those were the ones that used to, you know, I grew up at a time where there was always somebody who was sponsoring a a bowling league, a baseball team, or, you know, something that they had their name, you know, stuck on the back of all these little kids running around in that town. And I think we've lost a lot of that. And it's you three that are, you know, able to kind of kind of show it as being a positive renaissance and something that we need to focus on again. Seeing what can happen in just a really, really short period of time it's pretty amazing in my mind. So, Matthias, did you think of yourself as an entrepreneur? Like, if somebody said, what are you, Matthias? Are you a teacher or are you an entrepreneur? <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought of my personal self as an entrepreneur. Um, we've always, the kind of definition is that risk-taking business person, and I've always wanted to do that in different areas of my life and, and teaching those things to students and, and helping them to see their unique abilities to do the very same thing. There is a difference between being a business owner and being an entrepreneur. And when we started Avon Brewing Company, we were just a family business. It was just a, that was, that was the plan. We really didn't have that mindset as a family to do anything different. But again, as we start moving forward, and again, my entrepreneurial spirit comes together, those opportunities show up to, to expand and to grow. And 
and those are taking opportunities, moving outside of the safe comfort zone and, and really taking that risk. That, that's where we're at with that. So would I say we started that way? No. I think that's where we're at now. I do. But again, I think there is a difference. Being a business owner is wonderful. Working for yourself, being self-employed, excellent. You know, you can be a, 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 a tradesman that has their own business and goes out and gets bids and does the job. And that's just what you do. That doesn't make you an entrepreneur per se. But I think that what we're looking at here are those opportunities to take risks, to grow, to broaden what we do, uh, diversify, to really take risks in today's economy. So many things are so different now too, because social media could could you know it could wreck a it could wreck an up and coming business by you know somebody who just has a vendetta or goes against you too, and you know really I mean you know it's things have changed so much. Well, Tony, I've just been through that. When COVID started, I didn't know what to do for about two days. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I just said to my husband, I'm going to the shop and I'm going to bring some things home. And I'm going to do a, a Facebook video where you record it to stay connected to my customers. And that's what I did. Then pretty soon they're texting me at midnight. I just got off the shift at community hospital. I need this handbag or I need this. And that got me through that time. And then everybody said, keep doing the video because it's wonderful. I had about 6,000 followers on Facebook. At the end of November, all of a sudden, our Facebook got shut off totally. Myself and my three managers, no Facebook. I reached out to them, nothing. They, could, they wouldn't respond to any of us. They wouldn't tell us what we did. We had no clue. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to do. And I waited about maybe a week. And then I said, look, we've got to build a new site. We're going to lose momentum here, it's Christmas, for God's sake. I mean, so we did. Now we have 600 followers, but we have the same engagement almost because I have a marketing manager. We're very close to having the same engagement with 600 as we did with 6,000, which I found very interesting. What we struggle with is those business owners that maybe didn't have that in, in place pre-COVID, and then all of a sudden they're trying to start from square one. And it's almost, I don't want to say it's too late, but I think think what I always tell our business owners from day one, you got to start doing all the stuff because you don't know when that crisis is going to hit. Will it be another pandemic? Let's hope not, but it's always something. I think you are a great of example of someone who did the things and started down that road. And so you were in as good a position as you could have been in going into the pandemic. So... Let's since we've been brought up COVID, let's let's talk about. I mean, it's kind of the elephant in the room or the elephant all around us. You know, Georgia, you've started your business in the midst of uh, COVID. So yeah, I kind did. Of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> so how, how, how has it impacted you, and how have you recovered or recovering? Unfortunately, for my peers in the bar industry, one had to shut down. However, their customers came to our, our bar. So our, it had a positive impact once the state opened back up, even with the 10 o'clock curfew. So somebody's loss was your gain. It was such a good gain. I had the organic growth to open this. Now, COVID, I don't, I'm not sure if it's COVID as much as it is Ohio weather. That's affected the juice bar. With COVID, people are thinking about eating healthier and wanting healthier options. I honestly think I just opened up at the wrong time during COVID. I'm hoping for a positive impact. 
So, Judy, we know what you did. Matthias, I know you guys had to be shut down for a while um, and install a lot of um, <laughs> dividers and, and things because I think Lisa and I were there right as you guys were getting ready to reopen. What hasn't COVID changed about our industry? Prior to March 17th, uh, 2020, we were 99% sales in our house building. We didn't do to-go food. We didn't do to-go beer. The experience was come see our family, come for the beer, stay for the food, uh, come for the food, stay for the beer, and just enjoy yourself. And But that all changed on that Sunday with the announcement of closure. And again, one of the things that um, we really focus on is not being kind of back on our heels. We're always ready to be to, to move and, and understanding trends and, and the ability to, to be uh, flexible in those areas. On Sunday, we had an emergency meeting. My brother went out and ordered um, as many bags and boxes from any supplier he could. We went out and borrowed a canner and spent literally Sunday night, all day Monday, canning beer. We went forward with St. Patrick's Day, and and we sold out everything by 5 o'clock and just kept that process rolling through the whole time, interacting with our our customers differently, um, offering curbside service. I went on the road and started delivering food. all the time and just went back to that hustle and and changed our entire business model in about 36 hours. So that's just that that's what you have to do uh, being an entrepreneur. So we kind of talked about the hard parts. What has been the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur? Honestly, it's seeing the response from the community. They really wanted and they feel that they needed a healthy option. That's the probably the most rewarding when that customer every once in a while comes in at 6.30. I mean, I'm like, you know, you can't see anything but my gums and teeth because I'm so like that one customer makes me so happy because I knew there was one person that wanted a fresh juice at 6.30 besides me. Watching these um, young ladies that I do have on my team, empowering them. Because I've got, I've grown to trust them for their strengths, so I've empowered them with certain, you know, duties and tasks that they enjoy and um, they like doing. So, and I plan to continue to do that. So, those two are most rewarding for me. Okay, I would say helping the customers and what Matthias said I did too. I delivered, I did curbside. I, I drove, drove to Wellington. I had someone call me on Christmas Eve from the hospital. He'd been in the hospital for two months. He said, I need to get my girlfriend a Christmas present. He was a really good customer. I said, no problem. He said, just ship it. I said, nope, we'll deliver it. I told my husband, this is what we're going to do. We're going to Wellington tonight. We're delivering this. And she was visiting him at the hospital. So I called her and said, how do I get in? And, and um, she said, here's, here's my garage door code. Just go in and leave it on the kitchen table. That's the part I love. It's that part, the support that the customers gave me when I was closed. I couldn't even believe it. It really was an eye-opener, truly. I was so grateful. And that part of the customers, I think, helping, providing a really fun service, I think, is what really customers still love. I think both, uh, what both Judy and Georgia said are all rewarding aspects of being part of your business. Just being involved in the community has been wonderful. Um, Starting in Avon, uh, we're hyper-involved in the schools and to help them out and and fundraise and support and teams and and people coming to celebrate all sorts of life uh, celebrations from birthdays to weddings 
to funerals and they want to be with us. And they say that. We want to be with you. You're like our family. I'm actually performing a wedding ceremony for one of our patrons' kids this summer. Like, they just come, people come part of your family and your staff. We call them, you know, our extended ABC family. And our staff are just wonderful people. Uh, to be able to keep them on uh, and pay them during uh, COVID was such a wonderful thing uh, for us and our family to do. I'm not trying to give props to me. I'm giving props to them. They, they're the ones that uh, trusted in us to, to do those things and, and to see them grow and, and to empower them to move up and move on. And, and not only just, you know, I put a post out not that long ago. We have like six women who are in leadership roles in our, in our company, and we want to see that even grow and, and to watch them um, expand and hopefully move on. And we just started a process where we're going to be working with a local coffee company, um, letting them come in and use our space as a, as a jump starter for them and their business in Avon, just to, just to, you know, to help formulate growth in other people. You know, it's just it's a wonderful thing. And that is super rewarding for us because you don't get that working for somebody else. They get those things, you know, so we get that. And that's all three of you guys just gave amazing answers. And and I was lucky enough, my first job out of college, I worked for an entrepreneur um, uh, and I worked for him for 16 years. I was going to work there one year and move on. I figured I was going to get my, make my bones, get out of there and move on to corporate America. And I'll tell you, it was the best 16, 16 and a half years that I, that I, I learned so much from him and I saw how much he struggled to sometimes make payroll to sometimes pay for things on credit cards, his own personal credit cards. Because when he went to bed at night, he was worried that that all these families that were dependent upon him and his business were going to somehow either not be able to make their electric bill or not be able to pay for this or, or do whatever it was um, that they needed. So I think, especially from a chamber standpoint, everybody at some point in their life should work for an entrepreneur because it just gives you a completely different take on what life is like and what a community is like. And, you know, Lorraine County is a small, we are, we are, we are a small town USA in so many ways. And I think we work, we work really, really well with one another. And COVID for as, as devastating as it was, I think it brought the reality of what we have here, what is good here. And I think that's a positive thing. I really do. And I think at the end of all this, sometime down the future, we'll be able to say, we did a lot. We accomplished a lot. We saved a lot. Yeah. And, you know, even if a person has no interest in being an entrepreneur or starting their own business, to have an entrepreneurial mindset in everything you do, whether it's a corporate school, whatever, but to have that sense of ownership and making things your own and taking those risks. And I think that entrepreneurial mindset is going to get you a long long way in life, whether you ever own your own business or not. If you could go back and talk 15 minutes to yourself as you were just opening up your business, is there something you would warn yourself about or say, don't do this or do this? Is there one thing that you would warn your future self? For me, I would say what I didn't do because I started on a shoestring. I did not have a business plan, and I think that was a mistake. I should have had a business plan, but no one in those days even talked to me about a business plan. And I just said, I'm going to work for myself, and I did. I just kept putting the money back in and growing the business. That's just what I did. But for advice to anybody now, I would say it's a really good plan to have a business plan. So luckily, opening Avon Brewing Company was not our first 
entrepreneurial business opportunity. So we learned from some other ones. One of the biggest lessons we learned was to not be complacent uh, with where you're at. Uh, It's very easy to sit back and say, you know what, I just met and reached my five-year goals in my first year. This is great. And sit back and, uh, you know, stretch out. And before you know it, clientele, you never say the same in, in, in business. Either reaching new customers, it always has to be upwards or downwards. So that's one thing we learned earlier. I think that if I were to, to go back and kind of look at things that we I wish we could have done uh, and now would have been easier, would be to have a plan for growth from the beginning just in case. That growth mindset has to be a mindset from the beginning because and, and, it, it changes who you bring on with you. It changes the process in which you do things, how you look for the future endeavors and opportunities. And so that's just part of the process. Um, other than that, We've been super blessed to have a wonderful family that thinks the same way about 99% of the things that we, we work through. And, and so that's that's great. So again, growth mindset's huge uh, and also not being complacent, um, which has kind of led us to where we're at today. So it's good. Georgia, you're the you're the new kid on block. You can you can say either something that you you uh, wish you could go back or maybe go forward and and see yourself into the future. Okay. If I could go backwards. When I started this, it was really just, let's get it up and running. I didn't market as much as I wanted to, and I wish I would have increased my marketing budget from the beginning. Don't underestimate marketing. That budget, that budget. All great advice. Which, Lisa, I have to still make my, if I'm so swamped, I still have to make my appointment, but yes. Uh, we'll get you into shape. No, I'm just okay. kidding. So, well, so talking about the SBDC, what resources have you found to be useful with you as a business owner? Lisa, you were such a big help to me. And Tony, too. They were both my personal advisors during COVID. I needed their help. And I, I, I reached out to Lisa, I don't think, you know, I don't know how many times, a lot. I'm still reaching out to her for a lot of things. And she is such a good resource. And Tony too, I mean, it's wonderful. We have such great help. Awesome, thanks. Well, I'll pay you later, but, <laughs> um, but no, but but I, I will give the SBDCs a shout out because wherever you are in uh, the United States, there might be an SBDC close to you. And everyone always says we're the best kept secret. So um, if you're a business owner or entrepreneur looking for help, check out your SBDC. You might be surprised at what resources that they have. So how about you, Matthias? So one of the things I think that entrepreneurs like to do is to be that self-reliant, I'm doing it by myself, and don't ask for help. In reality, we need lots of it. (laughs) We need lots of it. We need it from our staff. We need it from our patrons. We need it from people to get us from point A to point B. And, you know, just knowing, uh, Tony, the resources we have in our our county to not only network, to work together for, for assistance, putting it in place with people who can get the job done for you. Use those resources, you know, uh, not only will they market for you and, and those opportunities, it's great, but just to know good people and good opportunities, sounding board, advice, uh, those are all just great things. Uh, those connections are worth more than money. Well, as you know, <laughs> Lisa, I am reaching out to, in the process of reaching out. I went on Matthias's path about being self-reliant. I'm extremely self-reliant. It's called foolish pride. All down, you know, 
going through my veins. So my plan is to call about the marketing first, because I know that's where my weak point is. You can um, assist me with getting, you know, additional funding for my future endeavors as well. So um, I bet you, you'll definitely, Anthony or Lisa, you'll definitely see me or Zoom with me, whatever we're going to interact in the future. I think it's I think it's interesting. Lisa and I are, are talking about working with somebody who's in the Akron area. And I told him, I said, I said, you don't have to belong to my chamber. I said, but you need to belong to the chamber in which you're located because you should be supporting them because they can support you. And even just you three, you know, you guys talking to one another and you guys getting to know one another, I would hope that if Georgia needs you know, a, a present, she's going to walk into Mermaid's Tale. And if Matthias, you know what I mean, needs to find something or, you know, that that's what this is all about. It's, it's, creating, it's creating relationships that weren't there before. And then everybody starts to talk about them and say, you know, Judy says, hey, I, I like that new IPA that Matthias has. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be to the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out. They have the best patio around. So, yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Hearing advice from other entrepreneurs is awesome because if you can save someone one mistake, I think that's great because sometimes clients come to me and I can tell them, and they might believe me, they may not, but if they hear it from you, it means more. So, you know, I can tell everyone, you need to understand your financials. Well, if they don't want to do that, it means nothing. But if one of you say, oh my gosh, you have to understand your cost of goods sold or you won't be able to make money. Well, then all of a sudden it it hits home a little bit more. So I think um, you guys are the best teachers. When Lisa and I talked about doing this podcast, you know, one of the things that we both were like, we got to do an entrepreneurial roundtable. We got to do an entrepreneurial roundtable because we knew that you guys we're going to be able to give some of the best advice, not just the chamber, not the just the SBDC. You guys, you guys are frontline <laughs> in the thick of it, day in and day out. You guys all have smiles on your face. You all look like this is what it is that makes you wake up in the morning and keeps you going. It's called count the cost, brother. It's it's what it's what it's all about. You have to know what you're getting yourself into, or you or you won't be happy with it. I mean, it it, it is what it is, and. You know, you bring people along with you. It's not about work. It's just about it's life. This is life. And part of your work can be your life. Does anybody have any closing remarks, comments, ideas, something we didn't touch on that you want to share with the world? You can't worry about noise that's outside of you, right? Uh, one of the laws of leadership is you can only control what you can control. I can't control what people think about me. I can control what's inside my own mind. And so I have to stay positive. I have to stay focused and dreaming and effort and energy and, and speaking things into this reality. Those are the things that I have to do being an entrepreneur. It is not easy. You got to do it for yourself and for your family and for what you're passionate about because that's what it is. It's a passion industry. Georgia mentioned it. Judy's mentioned it. Passions. What gets you up and drives you in the morning? So I was going to say almost the exact same thing. I just had this that exact conversation with one of my employees this morning. I said, if you can't control it, why worry about it? You can't change it. You can't do anything. Let it go. And the other thing is that so important is to listen to your employees, listen to your customers. Maybe today isn't the day you're going to make that change, but maybe tomorrow or the next day you're going to go, you know, that's a good idea. So always listen. 
you know, then you might tweak it and, but you have to keep listening and you have to change all the time. You feel that you can change on a dime. I think that's key. Like we talked about with COVID, you got to be able to react and make a change right now to survive, period. I want to say, if you really want to do it, make it happen, especially if it's a smart goal, make it happen. That's awesome. So Lisa, I, I think since they're entrepreneurs, we need to give them one more shout out. So, you know, Georgia, thank you to Georgia Curry from Juice Me Juice Bar in downtown Lorraine. We've got Judy from Mermaid's Tale in downtown Amherst and Matthias Hawk from ABC Avon Brewing Company, as well as Avon Brewing at ZZ's Big Top and Medina Brewing Company and the soon to be, I never, what's the new brand? Hop Brothers Brewing. Hop Brothers Brewing, <laughs> coming to the former Aces um, in North Ridgeville on Lorraine Road. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. It was really nice to meet everybody. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Coming up in the next few weeks, we'll be looking at topics such as human resources and our changing workforce, how to understand the numbers, and what they mean for you, and we'll have a conversation with a group of entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating and review. Business Fluent is a production of Evergreen Podcast in association with the SBDC at Lorain County Community College and the Lorain County Chamber of Commerce. Special thanks to our team at Evergreen for making this possible.